Welcome to another episode of Unqualified Opinions. I'm Zach Vol, hosting this episode for Ryan Selkis, and I'm excited for you to listen to my interview with Mark Bursiner, co-founder of Beyond, a blockchain-based NFT card game experimenting with unique game design and player participation incentives. In this episode, Mike and I talk about the background and sort of origin story of how Beyond came to be, why games like Beyond, according to Mark, need a blockchain, and the player behavior and metagames involved in this blockchain-based game, Beyond, um, as well as the paper prototype game that Beyond is based on. Um, We conclude with a quick chat about Beyond's short-term outlook and how interested potential players can join the player and builder community in beyond. Before jumping into the interview, though, a quick word from Unqualified Opinions sponsors. Masari's Unqualified Opinions is brought to you by our sponsors at Token Tax and Token Soft. Taxes suck. We all know it. And crypto taxes are even worse. I know because I spent days last year trying unsuccessfully to piece together the mess that was my crypto tax return. I needed a platform that could pull from a variety of exchanges, wallets, and other crypto sources I used help identify cost basis and actual gains and losses for the year. Token Tax saved me. Not only do they have an intuitive platform, they also have excellent customer support from real CPAs. No one loves paying taxes, but with the tax deadline just one month away in the U.S., you can go to tokentax.co right now to get started and save time and money on your taxes. Issuing a digital security on the blockchain is a lot of work, particularly on the compliance side of things, at least if you want to do it right. TokenSoft works with top legal and financial experts to make sure your digital assets are secure and compliant. The company leads the market in providing tools to support tax, banking, and securities regulations for digital asset issuers. To learn more about how TokenSoft and their new Knox wallet could help you with issuance, management, and custody of digital assets or securities, you can visit TokenSoft.io or follow them on Twitter at TokenSoft, Inc. Episode of Masari's Unqualified Opinions. I'm obviously not Ryan Selkis, um, and neither are you. No. Uh, but we're here to talk about something. <laughs> whatever that's worth. Something fun. Uh, we hope you enjoy. Uh, basically, the sector of NFTs and gaming and crypto. Um, welcome to the show, Mark. Thank uh, you. CEO and co-founder of Beyond Games. Um, I look forward to chatting with you, learning about the platform, um, and I know our listeners and viewers will enjoy it as well. Um, I'm a big Bitcoiner, not going to lie, yeah. um, but the gaming sector in crypto, um, partially because it's just gaming, is mm-hmm. one of the most fun sectors in crypto. I'm excited to learn about what Beyond is building, so welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks for talking a little about yourself. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, I'm a tech guy. Yeah. Uh, I kind of like came up in the New York ranks uh, in like 2007, 2008 or so. Okay. Um, I met Gary Vaynerchuk in 2008, and that kind of really started the whole thing. Uh, I started working in web video and then parlayed that into uh, web marketing, worked at Portnavelli for a while. I was employee 30-something at Squarespace, um, and I've been in tech for a long, long time. Um, We actually, as it turns out, out, we've actually sort of come full circle now uh, because we built uh, built an SDK for designers and developers of, of digital games back in 2012 
that as it turns out, we were missing a distributed ledger for because we were who, asking who's we? Who's me, my oh, company. Oh, yeah, okay. this is this is actually my second startup. This is my second company. Okay. Uh, so that's kind of where that my background is like web, video, tech, and games. Okay. Okay. All all together, right? Uh, and uh, the first thing you said was, "I'm a big Bitcoiner." <laughs> me am. too. Me too. <laughs> I mean, like you know, it's I mean, it's Bitcoin, right? Yeah, there's, exactly. There's, there's only one Bitcoin. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> As we all know. Uh, but that I don't think precludes us from being interested in what non-fungible tokens can yeah. do. Um, I think I think what's really exciting, what what is uh, the the most uh, important key component, I think that I can see that it really feels like the crypto space is sort of missing the forest for the trees for, mm-hmm. is that every crypto network is a game. Okay, really? Yeah. Uh, Every last one. <laughs> like, you're a Bitcoiner. So yeah, like, what do you, I mean, obviously, there's sort of like game theoretics that go into reinforcing the network dynamics. Is that what you're referencing? That's exactly or? right. Yeah. Okay. So ultimately, what it comes down to is it, it, technology, we, yeah. are, we know, is a reflection of the humans who are creating it, right? Social dynamics are the games you're referencing. Exactly. Sure. Right, right, right. So as we, as we build these crypto networks, what we're really doing is we're just codifying the game's rules into the consensus rules. Okay. Right? So if, if we actually take a step back and, yeah. and t- try and take a look at a cryptographic network from a holistic perspective, Perspective, um, what if we apply game design? Mm-hmm. Because we're applying game theory, we've just forgotten about the design of the game this entire time. <laughs> okay. Right? So what we have is one game that the entire crypto space is playing. Mm-hmm. We're all playing the game of capitalism. Can we get this token uh, before it's worth a lot so that I can sell it to somebody else for a lot more later? Okay, sure. Right? And it's all in the name of sound money, right? Mm-hmm. But ultimately, some of it, it, some of it is. Some of it is in the name. <laughs> <laughs> That's completely true. Uh, some of it is in the name of sound money, but what it comes down to is is that money is is issued by an state it's issued by a group of human beings so yeah. that's kind of why we're approaching the game from a, a perspective of governance first and we're approaching the game from game first really okay and crypto second because okay. crypto at the end of the day from a game's perspective it's infrastructure right okay. you don't you don't play you don't play a triple a game and and hear about what kind of a database structure <laughs> they're using do you no, so, no you definitely don't no. But, but so i'm interested you mentioned that in your first startup previous to beyond you said the component you realized you were missing eventually was these this like crypto network design. Uh, how how did you come to that realization, and how are you sort of implementing this crypto? Are, are the games you're building similar to what you're building before? Like, talk to me about that realization and acting on it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So no, they're not very similar to what we were building before. Um, okay. What we built in 2012 was a, a an SDK for designers and developers to make a platform agnostic network save card for players. Okay. But as it turns out, mm-hmm. we, we learned a ton of lessons from this. As it turns out, A, we raised a quarter million dollars, spent it all, and building two products for two segments at the same time is kind of a losing battle. Okay. On top of which, the most important lesson that we learned was game designers and developers mm-hmm. are not remotely interested in putting your product in their game. That is the single fastest, most effective way to turn your player base off. Hmm. Which is why we look at things in the space like Engine. We think they've contributed a ton. Uh, 1155 is, I think, one of the most compelling uh, proposals that we've seen. But the idea that a game will integrate Engine or integrate any brand for that matter, that their in-game items can melt down, is just, it's a moot point, it's a non-starter, it's a total non-bo. Okay. Right. So what we built back in the day was exactly that, a, a method through which designers can drop in an SDK mm-hmm. and we can rip out from their save slot, 
from their yeah. same blob what's actually happening in that blob of data because game designers and developers don't actually do anything special with their game saves they're just game state right 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 and and as we know in the crypto space nfts ultimately necessarily must have state yeah right so as it turns out that the, the major lesson that we really learned was we were trying to free players' saves from the consoles that they're being played on so that you own your save and you own your progress. Okay. But we were not actually saying you own them. We were saying we'll hold on to them for you. For you. We were basically saying we'll be the custodian. right? Okay. So okay. we were missing that distributed ledger component where players are actually the self-sovereign owners of their own progress in a particular game and the okay. more time we spend in these digital realms you know we spend we've got a third place now effectively where we go home we go to work and we we go to this third place whether it's Fortnite, destiny whatever whatever it is for yeah. you yeah. the more time we spend in these digital arenas the more the human beings who spend time there are going to care about how they're governed okay. and they're going to care about the rules and they're going to care about the assets they're going to care about the entire kit and caboodle okay. but it's going to be a really tough sell uh to get to get the layman to care about something like a crypto game as we've seen them to date. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, games, but also sort of almost everything that's being built here, the goal is to not have laymen really care or know about right. what they're building because it's so invisible and right. innocuous that right. um, it's not immediately serviceable or something that they actually have to care about to mm -hmm. use what you're building. Well, that is a two-sided coin too, though. Because, okay, we'll side. because it, we do uh, realize that we do have education to do okay. Uh, the the idea being that what we want to use our chain for the main thing that's different yeah. is that we want to use our chain specifically with multiple fungible assets because that's ultimately what in-game currencies are. Yeah, yeah. You know, materials and loot that you earn in a game along alongside non-fungible tokens. We want to use the chain as a card mint, okay. where players control basically what would otherwise be. Wizards of the Coast yeah, controlling yeah. a physical card mint on paper. Yeah. And then that lets us divorce ourselves from a lot of the more hmm. nightmarish choices that yeah. a designer of games has to make when they go to reprint a card, for example, that's incredibly popular or powerful in a particular metagame. The price is skyrocketed. So now they're between a rock and a hard place where do we reprint True Name Nemesis because it's for the health of the metagame mm -hmm. and risk upsetting our secondary market because it's going to deflate the price? Sure. Or do we allow the game to languish in favor of allowing these collectors to, to build up some sort of speculative bubble. Yeah, no, sure. That, that, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I guess first on the note of education, it's a, it's a difficult line to toe maybe determining, and I'm curious where you think the line is for you, mm -hmm. because it's it definitely is a two-sided coin, or at least there's two factors to consider, where the two factors being you don't want to force your users to be overly educated and sort of overwhelmed with the dense and enormous amount of material they have to consume, mm -hmm. but also with sort of NFT games or just like we were talking about Bitcoin earlier, mm -hmm. You should know a little bit about what you're getting involved in, what you're playing with, mm -hmm. and what you're buying in order to understand why it's unique and different and valuable. Mm -hmm. How do you sort of balance those two things? Like, how do you determine how much your players should know about what makes the games you're building unique, mm -hmm. but also not really need to understand or sort of write a thesis on why blockchains mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. interesting data structures? Like, For what, sure. How do you balance those? Uh, yeah, it's tough. Luckily, I, I, my background, like I said, is in tech okay. uh, and web and video. So I have a all right, we are live again. Um, Hi, we're really live this time. <laughs> you can Welcome. You can hear us hopefully this time. Um, and just a quick note on the 
Awesome. We have audio now. Quick note. Uh, you probably couldn't hear us before. Actually, we know you definitely couldn't hear us before, but the audio, we had a pretty good conversation earlier and we're going to uh, match these two together and pick up where we left off. Yeah. Um, For those so, of you watching on the live stream, <laughs> you can catch the first half in, in the podcast. In the pod- yeah. yeah. If you're listening on the podcast, then you didn't notice anything. You didn't notice anything at all. Nothing. Uh, but we had a great conversation about how to balance the uh, information overload on understanding Bitcoin and other blockchain data structures, game design, all the sort of stuff. Um, yeah, how do you, how do you balance knowing like not forcing your users to learn too much, but making sure they know enough to understand why your product's different? Right. So I was what I was talking about was my background's in product, my background's in yeah. tech and mobile and web. Um, so that that's actually something that uh, we've done a lot. You know, it's user experience has kind of taken on a life of its own these yeah. days uh, with with how we use technology on our mobile devices, especially. Um, but what it really comes down to is the difference between features and benefits. Okay. Right. And it's actually yeah. a really simple conversation uh, to have with your user. It, they don't care about the feature. They sure. care about the benefit. Yeah. Right. Sure. People don't care about database structures. They care about the fact that they can lend cards that they were never able to do before. Right? Yeah. yeah. So the idea is that because these crypto networks are all games uh, and gamers are actually really sharp, actually, mm-hmm. for the most part, um, they're going to pick up on this really rather quickly. Mm-hmm. Once they realize what the structure is of the game, okay. that new cards, in, in the case of our game, that new cards are created when you play. Yeah, yeah. Right? So they don't need to understand why a new card got made or why the serial number on the card is unique in order to play the game. Okay. Yeah, right? So the sense. idea is we just want to bubble those things down. They are super important and they're there for the people who want to dig a little bit deeper and stake their collection, for example. We're a hybrid network. We've got proof of work, proof of stake, and what we call proof of play as a sort of check on the player's time. And we're using that to actually allow them to influence the network. We're taking the governance side out of this the staked side okay. of the equation so that stakers uh, are, are, are uh, contributing value to the network in verifying yeah. other transactions, uh, match slips and upgrade slips, but they're not then able to buy votes and that's one of the major issues that I'm sure we'll get to at some point when we, when we start talking with talking about Ethereum uh, you know uh, which is that ultimately uh, we, we aren't building on Ethereum because uh, at the end of the day what they're working towards is proof of stake pure proof of stake and, right. and we know what, what a, an oligarchy looks like we've seen them in human societies and structures many times over okay. uh, so if there is a method through which uh, that a, a constituent could potentially buy a vote mm-hmm. uh, that kind of defeats the purpose of a governance model if yeah. you're able to buy a vote. So what yeah. we want to try and do is separate the monetary aspect from the time spent aspect. We care more about whether you care about the game. Okay. So you use your cards to stake against the network to vote with them. And mm-hmm. the weight of the card is, is based on what its monetary value is, but you have to be the original owner of the card in order to use it to vote. Okay. So that just like in Pokemon, you yeah. need to be the original <laughs> yes. owner, the original trainer of the of the Pokemon on that cartridge in order to use it in a professional battle. No, makes sense, makes sense. Um, and before we got cut off and realized we didn't have any audio live, we were mentioning, or you briefly mentioned, how you sort of incorporate in the design of your game a consideration for maybe secondary markets where the assets are mm-hmm. bought and sold. Can you discuss a little bit of that consideration and how that, like how prevalent that is and maybe a situational example of how that factors into your design? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So one of the examples examples that I used was True Name Nemesis. This is a magic card that got printed six, eight years ago or so. And in the modern format, it was incredibly popular. It's an incredibly powerful card. And the price skyrocketed to $80. And in mm-hmm. that event, Wizards has to make a choice. Do we upset the, the secondary market or do we uh, make sure that the, the game does 
different language. Yeah. We can, alongside our players, we want to treat our players like constituents, not yeah. quite so much like customers, okay. right? So players will be controlling that card mint. And the idea is that, it, it, you know, us as progenitors of the game, of course, and that's one of the, the issues with centralized or with creativity is creativity is inherently centralized. So there is some component of trust. Sure. You do need to trust us to tell you a good story, okay. right? Because yeah. you need to trust us to create a, you know, a base layer of rules that are actually good. And that's ultimately where our core competency is, where games people... Like, okay. you know, our team has, has 50, 60 plus years of combined experience in making wow. games. How big is your um, team now? About 13. 13, okay, awesome. Um, and uh, the, the I forgot what I was talking about. What was my train of thought? Uh, how you view your customers as sort of a constituent. Right, not really and how we can fix evolve. that. Yeah, yeah exactly. so the idea being that we have what we call a self-healing metagame. Okay. Where uh, if you think about a, a card game, yeah. right, uh, what that sort of is, if you're using proof of play and, and there's an argument when we talk to people about the game that, oh, well, what if people just make bots to play your game really well? We're like, OK, you know, <laughs> yeah. OK, so you made a proof of play ASIC. Okay. Right? Yeah. But the beauty of games is that they change over time. Yeah. And so when, when a new set comes out, that's effectively an ASIC dodge. The metagame has shifted, and now the, the, the bot that you've created is no longer playing the most prevalent strategy. Okay. Right? So things like that, where players have the opportunity to impact the direction of the game, in addition to that self-healing metagame where we can say, alongside our constituents, alongside our players, there's always one slot, there's always two slots that are safety valves. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, for example, a, a Graph Digger's case. In, in Magic the Gathering, if you're familiar with Magic yeah. the Gathering, some kind of hoser card always being on deck in the event that one particular deck archetype rises to prominence and, and it causes the metagame to languish. Oh, so I was going to ask about the, the metagame is, uh, discussion is interesting because I was going to ask about bots playing the game specifically, mm -hmm. but almost almost every game to some extent um, has sort of like a, a library of what you might call cheat codes. Or, yes. or sort of. So I want to get into sort of the games that you're building specifically and the gameplay, but also um, the iterations of like the cheat codes that players will inevitably discover and sort of exploit and then they change once the game evolves and mm -hmm. the next metagame play comes um, into play. Mm -hmm. um, before we get into that discussion a little bit more deeply, talk to me about, because I, I will say uh, I'm not extensive, there's just so much being built in the crypto game space right now. Um, like some of our viewers, I'm probably not extensively familiar with what Beyond is building right now. Mm -hmm. So walk us a little bit through the NFTs that you're offering, the games that you're building, and then we can sort of dive into maybe a little bit more of the metagame discussion sure. and, and cheat codes for Beyond. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so we're not building on anything that we're rolling our own chain, first of all, okay, first and yeah. foremost. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of distributing anything right now, we're not. Okay. We're selling decks on the site and it's effectively like a token sale, right? We're, yeah, co sure. we're combining the sort of the new model, the new decentralized model with the more traditional games model of early access. Okay, okay. Um, so the idea the, of in, in terms of, I think what you're asking is the, the sort of like the technical topography. Uh, also, but also sort of the games that your your users will play and sort of the, the tokens and uh, Got NFTs that, Got it. that are, yeah. So the company, the company is called Playproof. Okay. Um, the game is called Beyond. Okay, and gotcha. Beyond is a card game that's a lot like Netrunner, Magic, and Ascension or Dominion. Oh, if you've ever oh, played yeah, a deck building yeah. game, there's a deck building component that's really fabulous. Uh, it's like those three games had a baby. Okay. We actually, can I, wow. can I swear? We made a farting good game. Like, we okay. made the best forking game you're going to play this side of Tatooine. What's the URL for it? It's beyond.com. B-A-E-O-N-D.com. Beyond okay. Yeah. Um, and it takes place in this post-singularity 
Okay. Post-scarcity future, okay. where whether you're an organic mind in a synthetic body or a synthetic mind in an organic body, it really doesn't make a difference. We just are who we are. Okay. Uh, and our powers in this universe are powered by ether, and we access ether hmm. by understanding ourselves through okay. empathy for others, through self-knowledge, through self introspection okay. right? through knowing okay. who we are and connecting to ourselves yeah um the the story is effectively we are space cowboys and cowgirls running around space uh <laughs> and finding ether rips that we are siphoning ether out of okay and because we're in this post singularity yeah. post scarcity universe there's a lot of prosthetics transhumanism and the whole game is sort of an allegory to today what we're going through right now an allegory for capitalism and an allegory to a lot of these technologies that in this universe they have really taken to the um, nth degree yeah yeah so so um, it, it's a card That's game, one on one. Okay. Um, I have a deck. You have a deck. Excuse mm -hmm. me, live stream. I'm just gonna <laughs> grab the paper prototype because I actually have it with me. Oh, awesome! Uh, because we are actual game designers. So we actually designed this game on okay. on paper. You know, we, yeah. we're, we've we've been making games for a long, long time, and. Uh, we wanted to make a game that was something you could play on your kitchen table first and foremost. So uh, the way you play the game, you can take a look at some of these okay. cards. These yeah. are all art-free, no art on them. But uh, the way you play the game is mm -hmm. you've got a deck, I've got a deck, and then okay. there's a network deck in the middle. Okay. So we are sharing cards, a pool of cards in the center that we use the cards in our deck to buy from, and then we play those to siphon ether out of rips and score that ether, and the person with the most ether at the end of the game wins. Wow. That's awesome. And we, we designed the game specifically uh, so that we would de decentivize conceding as much okay. as possible. We yeah. want you to finish the game yeah. because effectively the client is just a cryptographically signed client, right? Okay. And yeah. what's really happening from a technical perspective, and we'll get into these NFTs now, is because each of these cards is an NFT, mm -hmm. right? What we're really doing is creating like a baby little lightning network channel. Okay. Right between yeah, two players sense. because yeah. nobody cares about what happens in this match until it's over except for you and me. Right, right. So as long as there's a cryptographically signed client, you're signing with your signature, I'm signing with mine, there's a match slip just like when you go to a physical tournament and play magic on paper cards, yeah. the only two people who care are the two people at that table and you both sign a match slip and then those, those records, exactly. yeah. right? Yeah. So that's basically the idea and then at the end of the match, you each get a payout of loot. And materials, okay. and you use that loot to upgrade these cards. Okay. These cards come effectively blank, right? So this is what a card looks like. It's got a two gear, barrier, artwork, and some rules text. Mm -hmm. What you don't see on a paper card is that there's a little skill tree under the hood. So okay. each and every one of these cards has about 12 to 20 different combinations of skills, hmm. and then uh, one deck is about 40 cards. So we think that that gives players quite a bit of variety, yeah, yeah. Uh, quite a bit of complexity. Uh, what we really wanted to try and do is take magic and break the pieces out, the, break the mechanics out, and sort of give card game players almost like a Lego set. Yeah. Where they create their own metagame. No, that makes, yeah, that they makes own, total right? sense. They, yeah. they own the means of production, mm -hmm. right? Um, and we are the stewards of the game. Okay. We're the progenitors of the game. We're telling stories against the game. Mm -hmm. uh, we still, of course, own the IP. We own the assets. Yeah. But the beauty of having the rules enshrined on a crypto network mm -hmm. is that we are only the first people to design for the game. The game could long outlive us. If Edmund McMillan, who is a, a, a prolific game designer yeah. and has designed cards for Magic the Gathering before, decided this is a cool game and I want to contribute to this, yeah. he can. 
Okay. Because we are, we're forking Decred for a lot of their really cool governance features. Okay. Uh, and so we have a means through which a cryptographic forum, effectively, mm-hmm. that someone like Ed McMillan might be able to cons- have cards submitted for consideration, and the player base can all agree on whether or not this this set this these cards are at a given level of quality to be considered canon. Interesting. Okay, so I have to ask, obviously, how does that process work? What's the flow, and where can I, potentially, if I wanted to submit a card, how can I get involved with uh, the game? So everything is super, super early days still, um, and that is still exactly what we're designing out. Okay. Okay. Um, the, the, The stage where we are right now is we have been writing and planning and and architecting the network itself, but yeah. we've been laser focused on the game. Okay, yeah. Because as I'm sure you know and our audience <laughs> knows, the yeah. crypto space changes on a dime. Yeah. So yeah. we're not interested in taking on any more technical debt than is absolutely necessary. Makes sense. And we are and since our, our core core competency, our discipline is in making games, mm-hmm. we've spent the majority of our engineering cycles on the actual client itself. Okay. On the okay. game itself. Because the nothing matters more than the game. Yeah. It, it, you know, ultimately, if, if SHA-256 got cracked tomorrow, if quantum computing got here later today, yeah. we would still have a killer game, and that's more than any other crypto game can say. Sure, sure. Makes, yeah, makes sense. So we are, we're at the stage where we are selling decks, and we are, we, we're asking players to play the game as much as they can and give us feedback as much as they can. Okay. So that when we do go and finally codify these things, yeah. we have a much clearer picture of what that V1 actually looks like. Okay. Um, because it, it is going to be, as I'm sure you know, difficult to change things after <laughs> once we've come to consensus sure. on the rules, yep, yep. right? So right now, we've been looking at Fork and Decred because we want to use their Politea system. Okay. But what we think is sort of like flying under Decred's radar is that yep. Politea isn't even the coolest thing about Politea. The coolest thing about Politea is DCR time. Okay. Which is, <laughs> it's just a little cryptographically signed clock. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Okay. It's really super simple, but that's ultimately all you need. To have some sort of off-chain forum that is anchored to the chain. So they use DCR time to use the Decred blockchain mm. to sign comments, basically, to sign a Reddit thread cryptographically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can do the same exact thing. Exactly. Okay. Right. But we're gonna we want we wanna we, we see that as another opportunity to effectively incept the youngest generation hmm. that's playing games today, that grew up with FaceTime, that, yeah. that grew up with devices in their hands. Uh, because we think that they are ready to, to really take on what this kind of technology means for society and humans. This is a tectonic shift yeah. for us as human beings to be able to organize in, in, a, in a borderless way. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so what we think is the most important component to all of this isn't necessarily the Politea side, how are we minting NFTs, whatever, whatever. Like yeah. that's all sort of like that's, that's, that, that's, that's operational almost to us. To okay. us, the most important component is the human-to-technology connection component, hmm. is, is helping us explore and understand what it means to have an equitable solution for human beings who are using these cryptographic networks. Okay. Because if what, what the space at large believes to be true is true, and we are moving towards an era where we are all operating with digital assets, yeah. then it's going to be completely unfeasible for any person of a marginalized background to have five to ten thousand dollars worth of stake in order to influence their own future economically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's kind of where we see ourselves coming in. We, okay. you know, we, we we follow a lot of Jane McGonigal's work. Mm-hmm. We really believe in the power of games and the power of play, mm-hmm. and how 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 inherently human an aspect that is to our society. Uh, so we think that exploring models of governance through the context of a game is really what's going to help get this youngest generation. Like, we, we, we want to kill voter apathy. 
Yeah. We want to sure. destroy voter apathy because sure. even the chain that we're looking at forking right now, Decred, yeah. has the same problem. Yeah. They, they wanted to give voting power to the holders of the token, not just the people creating it like Ethereum, but ultimately Decred has the same exact problem. You've got yeah. the same 80 people voting mm-hmm. and it's ultimately a centralized endeavor. Yeah, Tezos is getting much closer. Closer, but I was just going to say, we don't necessarily need a single decred out because a lot of these protocols that are experimenting with maybe semi-novel governance solutions Mm -hmm. are experiencing semi-serious voter turnout issues. Exactly. Um, So there's obviously a lot of room for experimentation to try and up the bar. Right. Um, I I do also have to ask, though, so we've sort of, beginning of our conversation, which there may not have been audio for, we covered like a very high level, (laughs) how do we get people interested in blockchains and these sort of data structures without overwhelming them with information? Mm -hmm. And then we talked about the background and what motivated this game. Um, If we sort of hop in the middle between those two and look at maybe like the next six months for beyond development, people who may be interested in based on your description of how freaking amazing the game is and the uh, novel ideas that you're experimenting with over the next six months what does it look like for you and maybe what are potential avenues for people who are interested to contribute or at least follow your progress yes yes for sure um again it's benefits okay right that that's ultimately that that's what's going to drive this home Okay. Is is the gamer understanding what about these new features benefits me? Okay, sure. Why is this different for me? Yeah. And to date, the only value add we've been able to give a player is sell your stuff later. Okay. And what hmm. the crypto space doesn't understand is that players don't want to sell their stuff. Okay. They'll sell their stuff if they didn't like the game. Okay, what do players want to do if they like the game? They want to keep their stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> they want to keep their stuff. Yeah. Right? Um, I've been playing games my entire life, and I still have cartridges that I'm going to weep when, I, when the battery inside them dies. Yeah, okay. Right? Like, yeah. we, we uh, there's a, there, the other side of this coin is, is archiving games. Okay. Uh, that's a big conversation right now, too. But we really think that it's about the benefits. Okay. It's about focusing on the game itself. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the infrastructure yet. Don't worry sure. about teaching people these things. Remember how hard it was to get grandpa and grandma to use a username and password? <laughs> yeah. Right? And ultimately, we had to re-centralize it around password managers anyway. It's going to take time for human beings to relearn this new paradigm of secret key, private key, and seed phrase. Okay. That's yeah. ultimately that what we see as the front lines. That's step okay. one in helping them understand, like, why is this different? Yeah. Why can't I just make a username and password like I can on every other website? Well, it's because right. you own your username and password. Right. It's not a line in their database, right? Yeah. So if we can help players understand that, hey, it's Hearthstone, but you can trade your cards and you own your cards. Mm-hmm. And they go, okay, well, why is that different? Boom. That's where we've got the hook. Okay. When it's when they ask, okay, well, how did you even do that then? Now they give a shit. Sorry. Okay. Now they care. <laughs> now they actually care. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's, it, that's ultimately what it's, what, what it's about. And like sure. we've been doing this in tech for the last 10, 15 years is trying to figure out what, how do we get a human being to care about this technology that we built? Yeah. Because human beings inherently don't care about technology when it gets built. It's not right. until they have a benefit that the feature gets them sure. that they care. Sure, makes sense. Can I answer your question? Oh yeah, absolutely. Great. <laughs> just, I just want I just want two details out of you Tell for uh, where people watching this can follow your progress um, and yeah. maybe read a little about you personally and definitely the company and uh, when the game goes live, obviously be there ready to play it. Yes. Okay. So you can go to beyond.com, B-A-E-O-N-D.com. You can follow us on Twitter at GoBeyond. You can follow me at Mark B. Uh, okay. Instagram at GoBeyond. But most importantly, Discord. 
Okay. Like, go okay. to the website and click on the Discord link because that's where you're going to get, like, I'm, I'm there. Okay. Like, I'm literally there all of the time. A lot of crypto <laughs> happens in Discord. It's, yes. uh, it's, a lot yes. of it seems like it's on Twitter, but you got to go to Discord. A lot of it does happen on Discord these days, uh, and with good reason, too. With yeah. good reason. It's a fabulous platform. I really love them. Um, so come on into the Discord, and what I would encourage you to do is go to the website and read everything that we've got. We, we try to approach the project mm-hmm. as, a, as a crypto second project, okay. games first project. Okay. So what we have live now is effectively our white paper. Okay, sure. So to speak, um, but from a games perspective, yeah, we we have uh, well, a white paper and like a real live a real life game, physical game that inspired, which is honestly pretty cool. Like that you, you have sort of a card game, and this was the inspiration, and then obviously the the very interesting universe setting also. Thank you. Um, like that's impressive. So. We're we are very very. Li- I cannot take a lick of credit. I, we're okay. we're very very lucky. Uh, Kelly Diggs is, okay. is is a gentleman who wears so many hats on the team, and he just left Wizards of the Coast after 10 years oh, wow. working okay. on Magic the Gathering. Yeah. Uh, he worked on Dominaria. It was his magnum opus, and for those of you who don't know, Dominaria is a return to one of Magic's oldest settings, and it was a, a, a nostalgia trip that he really knocked out of the park. He's our art director. Um, okay. We have a, a really fabulous artist named Evan uh, who has been knocking it out of the park. She moved into the universe of Beyond on day one. Wow. Uh, and she's okay. really been creating the artwork and, 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 and creating these these uh, these systems of uh, visual systems mm-hmm. uh, in terms of how these characters look and function and where they come from, et cetera, and how the world around us looks and functions. Um, and we also have Choice Provisions, who okay. has been making games, like I said, 50-plus combined years. They, they've been in the space for so unbelievably long. They fought tooth and nail to be to become an indie studio hmm. about ten years ago, okay. and finally won that battle. Got yeah. out, got out of AAA, um, and they have been just actual magicians. That, yeah, it sounds like your team, your team stacked. So we are a, we are stacked, awesome. and I can't even tell you about the the guy who who designed the game systems themselves, okay. who designed this very card game. I can't even tell you his name just yet. Okay, uh, but uh, it's a, it's a really big get for us. We're we're really That's really awesome. proud. So we really think that. For anybody who's in the crypto space and understands the value of crypto and games, Mm -hmm. if you go to the website and you read the rules, you understand what's there. We even made you, like you said, we made you a PDF. We made a PDF for you to, and it's already perfectly set up for Avery Presta labels. So if you have magic cards at home Mm -hmm. or whatever, you've got playing cards at home, you can print out a set of those labels and play the game at home. Yeah, okay. Tell us what you think. Okay. Like, that's ultimately the most important thing for us right now is to get the game into the hands of more people who have yeah. played games like this before. No, I mean, my college roommate who got me into Bitcoin is obsessed with Magic and the cards, so I know for a fact you will love this game. Um, I feel I feel a little bit, I mean, out of my depth with the, the gaming sector, but I'm... For one, I'm pretty interested to check it out myself. Um, uh, yeah, this is this has been a blast for me personally, and I hope everyone for the part that you had the audio to listen to what we were talking about at least uh, enjoyed this as well. Um, thanks so much, Mark. This Thank was a blast. you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for watching. Uh, and uh, you know, yeah, beyond.com, beyond.com, Mark, beyond Twitter, and uh, yeah, thanks. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks, folks. All right, guys. Till next time. Cheers. Mm-hmm.